Mark chapter 1, we're going to be looking at the first eight verses. So if you're there in your Bibles, you can follow along. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Here we go. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance. For the forgiveness of sins and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you so much for... Uh, the coming of King Jesus. And we thank you for the coming of the kingdom. We thank you that you're, you're coming soon again, the second coming. And Father, we pray that we might be ready. God, we see John the Baptist having a, a role in making people ready for, for the king. And Lord, we want to be ready. And Lord, I pray that you would press deeply into our hearts the necessity for repentance. God, I pray that we would be a church, a people, husbands, wives, who repent quickly, and who repent often. God, I pray that you would work that by the power of your Spirit. God, we are so aware that, God, we can't do anything by ourselves, but we know that your Holy Spirit can work in hearts and minds, and we ask you to, in Jesus' name, amen. Mark is uh, unique in the Gospels, by the way. You know there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of them tell the story of Jesus, okay? So that's their place in the Bible. Is they, st- they tell Actually, the whole Bible tells the story of Jesus. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, describe for us the events of Jesus' earthly life. Let's say it that way, okay? Now, there's four Gospels, and all four of them play kind of a unique role, okay? Mark's role is all action, okay? If you're an action person, if you like action movies, then you're going to like the gospel of Mark, okay? Because Mark is action. Uh, if you go into Matthew, Luke, and John, they have much longer teaching sections, okay? So there's long, long sections of parables and of prayers and of teaching. And Mark just doesn't have a lot of that. It's got some of that, not a lot of that. It's, it's the shortest of the gospels, and it's kind of a condensed action-packed, here we go, uh, the king is coming, get ready, here's what he did, okay? That's kind of the gospel of Mark. And uh, I always think Mark's kind of written to men, you know? I mean, it's just fast-moving, get to the point, you know? Um, that, that corner, that kind of thing. Actually, Mark was written to Romans, is, is who, uh, who was written to the Roman people. I want to show you something cool in the gospel of Mark. Have I ever showed you the immediately theme in the gospel of Mark? Have I ever showed you guys that? Um, as you read through, if, if, if you do, I would suggest that since you know I'm going to be in Mark, go ahead and, and spend some time each week reading in it, kind of read ahead. And, and as you do, look for the word immediately. Okay, look for the word immediately. Let me, let me give you just an example. Here, here's chapter one. Are you ready? Um, verse 10. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. Verse 12. Then the spirit immediately drove him out of the wilderness. Uh, verse 18, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 20, and immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee. Verse 21, and they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue. Uh, verse 23, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Verse 29, and immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon. Verse 30, the Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. Uh, verse 30, no, no, 42, 
And immediately the leprosy left him. And he was going, are you, are you getting the point? You know, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's an emphasis on, man, this stuff is happening, okay? And so here's kind of how I, I see the personality of the Gospel of John. It, is that John opens up and it's, it's all action. The kingdom's coming. Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. And you've got to get ready. You've got to get prepared. I think it's significant that, they, did you notice, Mark did not tell anything about Jesus' birth. You know, in Luke, you start out in Matthew too. You start with long genealogies. And then you have the story of the shepherds. And you have the story of the wise men. And you have the story of Bethlehem. And you have this long passages about the birth of Jesus. Does Mark mention anything about that? Absolutely not. I mean, Mark starts out in chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel. And he begins with John the Baptist. Now, why does he begin with John the Baptist? John the Baptist is the herald, okay? In Jesus' day, anytime there was uh, a king or an emperor that would come into the land, he would come to your town. There would be a guy that would come before him, a herald would come before him, and he would come before him and he would he would announce the coming of the king. Okay? So like king's coming on Tuesday, you have a herald coming through the week before, and he would say, Everybody, the king is coming, the emperor is coming, make straight the roads, fill in the potholes, pick up the trash, paint the buildings, you know, get things ready for the coming of the king. Now, John the Baptist is that guy. Okay? He's the guy that comes before Jesus, that comes before the king, and, and he brings a message of get ready. Okay? And that's kind of the sense of Mark is the king is coming, it's happening, it's immediately, it's coming, and so get ready. Now, here's the question I want to press on you today. What does it mean to get ready for the coming of the king? Okay? What did it mean for the Jews of Jesus' day to get ready for the coming of the Messiah? And, and even more so, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you to get ready for the coming of Jesus? For his reign in your life, his kingship over you. What does that mean? And, and I'll tell you, here, here's how we know. The, the ministry of John the Baptist is characterized by one thing. The baptism of repentance, okay? He preached and he had one message. John was a one message guy, okay? You ever, you ever hear those? You, know, you ever hear a preacher called a one message guy? Like he's got one message, that's it, okay? John's a one message guy and it's repentance. Okay, if you, if you needed comfort, John the Baptist is not the guy to go to, okay? If you, if you needed encouragement, don't go to John. If you needed, you know, if you need someone to call you, don't come. Because John's got one message. When you look at Matthew and Luke and see portions of his sermon, man, I'll tell you what, he's, he's tough, you know? I mean, he uses images like, man, you know, you're a tree and God's got his axe and he's about to whack you down, you know, if you don't repent. He, he's got his winnowing fork in his hand and he, he is separating the, 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 the believer from the unbeliever. I mean, John's message was this. This is coming and you better get ready, okay? It's a message of repentance, okay? So, so the answer is, what do we need to get ready for the coming of the king? And the answer to that question is, we need to repent. Now, let's spend some time talking about that because this is, this is crucial. If you miss this, you miss salvation, you miss the Christian life, none of it makes sense, okay? Repentance. What does it mean to repent? Okay, here's my definition of repentance. Repentance is a change of mind, okay? A change of mind. That leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of will. A change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change of will. Okay? So when a person repents, here's kind of the process that happens. Okay? The process is somebody's like, wow, I'm going the wrong way. My life's a mess. I'm doing, I'm doing the wrong thing here. I'm disobeying God. This is wrong and Jesus' way is right. You know, I just say it like this. Repentance is, the first step of repentance is a change in the mind where, it say, where you say, I'm wrong, God's right, okay? Now that leads to a change of heart, 
Okay, that leads to a change of heart. So it's a change of mind that leads to a change of heart. Okay, whenever you say, I'm wrong, God's right, then, then your heart begins to change. Then all of a sudden you begin to say, you know what? I want God's way. And I don't want my way. My way kind of smells bad. My way, my way disgusts me a little bit. God's way looks really good. I, I'm feeling affectionately warm toward God's way. Okay? That change of heart and change of mind always lead to a change of will. Some kind of action in your life. Okay? It, the Bible describes it as a turning. Okay? It's, a turn, it's a turning away from sin and a turning to Christ. That, that's what it means to repent. And friends, that should be happening in your life if you're a believer over and over again. In fact, I would challenge you. I would challenge you to think back in your, in your mind. Can you think of a time this week that you repented? You ought to be able to. You ought to be able to think of a time this week and say, you know what, there was a time. In my, I mean, I've got one, you know, uh, just, just a couple days ago. I think it was Friday. Uh, I was sitting in my office and something, had ha- I don't even remember. This is how big a deal it was. I, can't even, I genuinely cannot remember, you know, what it was. But something happened and I was a little, a little t- ticked off at Emma. You know, I was a little, kinda, and I was just kind of cold. We hadn't had a fight. No words were exchanged, but I was just kind of cold toward her, you know. And I was sitting in my office. I was thinking about that. I'm, I'm reading the Bible and God's just hammering me, you know. I can't ever do any work when I'm not right with somebody because God's just always convicting me. And so I'm just kind of sitting there doing, you know, trying to work but getting nothing done. And I'm just... And, and all of a sudden, I just, I repented. You know what that looked like? I mean, here's the, literally the, the words that went through my head. I remember this. I remember thinking, Jason, you are so stupid. You know, I mean, you do this again and again. I mean, this, I don't, this is a bad way. This is a bad path. This is dumb. Love your wife. It doesn't matter. Just love her. And, and man, I turned. And it's interesting. That change of mind led to a change of heart. All of a sudden, I'd been kind of cold in my life. All of a sudden, I felt really warm toward my wife. I felt really affectionate toward my wife. You know, I felt really, you know, hey, we should go on a date. We should go see a movie. You know, I mean, I'm thinking this in my head. That change of mind and change of heart led to a change of will. It had to. That's the way I would express it to you. It had to. You know what I did? I went right back to working. Because now all of a sudden, I feel behind. I'm like, man, I wasted 30 minutes being mad at my wife. You know, now now I got to get to work. And so I went back trying to work. But you know know what I kept... I just this thought kept telling me, you, you need to text her. You know, and that thought came over and over again. So I picked up my phone. That's all I did. Hey, babe, love you. Deep sent. I was done. Man, my repentance was complete. You see, because I'd have a change of mind that led to a change of heart that led to a change of will. Friends, that should be happening in your life all the time. Today, that should be happening. That's what repentance is. Now, if you take out one or more of those elements... I don't believe it's genuine repentance. For instance, here's a mistake that a lot of people make. Here's a mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking that repentance is simply feeling bad about your sin. No, 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 no. No, okay. Now, it, it's part of it, okay? I'm not, that, that's part of it. But if that's all you have, if all you have is this gut feeling of, of feeling really bad about your sin, you know what you are? You, you're typical of, of millions of people right now on this planet, okay? I, I guarantee you there are millions of people that woke up this morning and we're like, oh, what? I'm so dumb, you know. My life is so messed up. Man, this is such a mess. Okay, lots of people feel bad about their sin. Lots of people feel bad about their lives. Lots of people feel bad about their mistakes. Lots of people feel bad about their, their failures. Lots of people are literally in misery over their sin. That is not an untypical thing, okay? That's a very typical thing. And in fact, it's a very natural thing. I would call it a spiritual law. In Galatians chapter 6, there's a law, and it's, it's as firm as the law of gravity. And it says this, Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. 
And in verse 8 it says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Okay? So if you sow seeds of sin in your life, what's going to come up? Corruption. What is corruption? Corruption is when your life goes from better to worse. That's what the word means. Going from better to worse. Okay, so it's a spiritual law in everybody's life that if you live in sin, okay, if you live in broken relationships, if you defy God, if you disobey God, if if you have a heart that loves other things rather than God, your life is going to go from better to worse. You're going to have chaos in your life. You're going to have struggles in your life. You're going to have pain in your life, pain that comes from sin. Okay, and it's a very natural thing to be mad about that. It's a very natural thing to be upset about that. In fact, here's how I know you can have you can feel really bad about your sin and not be repentant because not only the scripture say it, but I did it for five years of my life. I mean, I think I probably did it for longer than that, but I can remember a distinct five year period. Okay. For when, 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 when I, I was living in sin and I knew it was wrong and I was actually pretty miserable in it. You know, I, I was actually pretty, pretty disgusted with my life. I was, I was broken over the mess. It was, I had, I, I had a broken relationship with my parents. I had a broken relationship with my friends. I mean, I, I was always in chaos. I was always in fights. I was always in disaster. My, my weekends were a disaster. My nights were a disaster. And, and, and I was just living in this mess and I was really broken over it. I was really just, just, I kind of hated life in general, but I was not repentant. I didn't have a change of mind about God. I didn't have a change of mind about the rest of my life, folks. You can be sad that you got caught. You can be sad over, over, over the, the, the consequences of sin and yet not have repentance. Repentance demands a change of mind along with a change of will, not just a, not just a, a feeling of the heart. Okay? In fact, here's what John the Baptist would later say. He would say in Luke chapter 3, as he's preaching, he's preaching this this message of repentance. And in verse eight, he says, he says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance, bear fruits. In other words, if you say that you've repented, that's awesome, but you ought to have a life that shows that. Okay. Now I'm not saying that you have to prove it with your life. Okay. Cause I really think once you repent, man, it's, it's done. Okay. Um, I repented in the middle of the night. First time I ever repented in my life. I was 18 years old, May, 1990. I repented in the middle of the night. You know what? Nothing changed for about six hours. You know why? I went back to bed. You know, I was, I was asleep. So my life didn't look any different than it ever had. But you know what? It began to change. That morning, some changes happened. That evening, some changes happened. I mean, it, real changes will flow out. That's what John is saying here. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. He's got some people that, that challenge him on that. In verse 10 of, of Luke 3, the crowds ask him, well, what then shall we do? So John gives them some examples. These are just real life examples. Verse 11, he, see, he answered them. Whoever has two tunics, share with him who has none. Whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to him and were baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? He said to them, collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers who also asked him, what shall we do? He said to them, don't exhort money from anyone who threats uh, or anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. So he just gives them some real practical stuff in your life. What's it going to look like? Well, you're going to be generous. You're going to change your view of money. You're going to change your view of giving. You're going to have different relationships. You're not going to threaten people. You're not, I mean, your life is going to be tangibly, genuinely different. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 7, we find a great passage on this. Um, Paul says uh, in verse 8 of chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians, Even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a little while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. You see, it's a good thing. If you're broken, that's a good thing if it leads to repentance. Okay, But if you're just broken 
And you're just mad at yourself and you're mad at your friends and you're mad at everybody and you're mad at your family. I don't, that doesn't do any good, okay? It only does good if it, if it leads you to repenting. Verse 9 says, For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Verse 10, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. You, you know, there is a brokenness over your life that doesn't, doesn't do anything good. In fact, sometimes it propels people further in. Have you ever seen that? I mean, people are just like so disgusted, man. My life's a mess. It's broken. I hate it. And you know where that takes them? Right back into sin. You know, there's just a cycle over and over again. Some people, it ends in suicide. I mean, that's kind of the end of that is, is, is this, this you know, feeling that says, man, I'm so, I hate my life so much. I want to take it. Okay, but that's not repentance. Repentance is a godly sorrow that leads you to say, wow, you know what? I'm wrong. This is wrong. Jesus is right. He can help me. I'm going to follow him. That's a true and genuine repentance that leads to a genuinely changed life. You know what, folks? Repentance is a cool message. It's, It's a good message. You know, we need to hear that. You know what I believe? Repentance brings joy because it brings real life transformation. You know, I, I don't think repentance is real if it is not also accompanied by a willing joyfulness. Maybe not joy, but at least a willingness, at least a contentment. You, you know, I can tell whether my kids, oftentimes I can anyway, whether they're repentant or not. Uh, the other day, Haddon and Avery were fighting. And uh, they're kind of my two, man, I don't, I don't know. Everybody else like gets along, but those two, they want to kill each other, you know? And, and so they're, they're fussing with each other. It's about everything. They're so, com- first of all, they're both highly competitive, you know? So everything's a deal, you know? I mean, the front seat's a deal, you know? Who took their bowl in is a deal. I mean, it's always like this deal, you know? And, and so, man, I just, I sit down and I just hammered on them. And I hammered on them from the standpoint of sin. I was like, look, it, it's, it's sin for you. To, to treat your brother this way, to treat your sister this way. And I remember looking at Avery. And I'm, I'm giving her the, you know, I'm preaching here. I'm giving her the speech, you know. She's got her arms crossed. She's got her little jaw clenched. And you know, you can see people's muscles going, you know. And, and she said something like, she goes, I know it's wrong, you know. And I'm like, yeah, that ain't repentance, you know. It's not, you know. I mean, you can know it's wrong. Man, I've, I've, I've had adults do that. I've had adults say, you know, man, I know I'm living wrong. I know I should. For, I had that this morning, actually. I had that this morning. Make sure they're not still here. Let me look around. <laughs> I did. Man, I preached this sermon on repentance, you know. And ah, they're like, I know, but, you know, that's not repentance. Repentance is, yeah, I'm wrong. And you know what? I know I'm not going to stay there. There's, there's joy. You, you know what Acts says? I mean, here's, a, here's a verse that's not only encouraging, but I say yes. This resonates with me. Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out. Listen to this, verse 20. Oh, this is sweet. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Man, can you identify with that? Man, I can. I, over and over again. This, this refreshingness that comes from repentance. Man, I can remember when, when I was first saved at 18. Man, I just remember it was like a, a weight was lifted. I was like, wow, I'm free, you know. I'm free. I'm free. I'm just free to live. Man, and, and even now, you know, this, this last week, I do a little, little deal with my wife. I mean, there's just a, it's like a cool breeze comes in when you repent. 
and, and your burden is lifted, you're right with God, you got a, you got a direction in your life, man, it's a good thing. Some people look at it as a negative thing. I tell you, there, there are a lot of people that do not want to be confronted with their sin. They don't, they don't want anybody to confront it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want, man, that's a silly way to be, okay? That is a silly way to be. You, you, should, you should want repentance. You, know, you should want God to convict you of your sin. You should want other people to help you to repent. Because, listen, while you're able to repent, that means God's grace is extended to you. Listen, if you're able to repent, here's what that implies. If you can turn away from your sin, what do you turn into? You turn to Jesus. You see, if you can turn away from your sin, that implies Jesus is saying, come to me, man, I'll help you. Man, come into my family. Man, come, I'll restore you. I'll give you power, Jason. I'll help. I mean, repentance implies an acceptance by God. Listen, if you ever come to the point in your life where you can't repent, man, you're in trouble. If you come to the point in life where God's not convicted anymore, there's nothing to turn to. Man named Esau came to that point in his life. You ever read that story? Hebrews 12, spooky, spooky verse. It says that Esau came to a point in his life where, where even though he sought repentance, he couldn't find it. Whew, that's bad. Man, if, if God's not calling you back, that's, that's a bad deal. There's a Skyway Bridge in Florida. It's a huge bridge. One of the most pretty bridges in the world, I think. It goes from St. Petersburg to whatever that area is below the Sarasota, maybe, or something like that. Um, but anyway... We always like to drive on it when we, when we go to Florida to see him as family, just to show the kids. It's just kind of a fun little trip. But um, it's, it's very high. At a point, it's huge. Um, the barges go underneath. The big ships go underneath the cruise ships and stuff. And so it's like 150, 200 feet high. And uh, in 1980, the thing was hit by a barge. Uh, Emma lived in, on Davis Island in Florida when this happened, not very far from there. It was hit by a barge. And uh, 35 people whew, drove over the edge. You know, because you, you're going up like this, so you can't see that it's gone, you know. People, a whole, an entire Greyhound bus went over the edge of that dude, dropped down, and, and you know, 35 people were killed. I think it was 35. And uh, Amy still talks about how that, as, as like she was like eight years old when it happened. And she lived on Davis Island. She had to cross a bridge every day to and from school, you know. She was like, close my eyes and pray every time, you know. And, uh, but, but here, anyway, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking about... You know, for me to be driving on that bridge, 70 miles an hour with my family, and to get a, get a phone call, and someone's yelling, stop, stop, you're going the wrong way. Turn around. The bridge is out. That's a good thing. Okay? That's a good thing. If ever I find myself going off the edge, the phone rings, I pick it up, and someone says, never mind. That's not good. Okay? If nobody's calling you to repent, if you're not being convicted of your sin... Man, by the way, there is a place where there is no preaching for repentance. Did you know that? Are you excited about that? That there's a place where there's no, there's no prophets, there's no preachers. No, nobody calls you to repent. Nobody calls you to change. Nobody calls you to turn from your sin. That place is it's called hell. And the reason there's, there's no repentance is there's nothing to turn to. You see... As long as there's repentance, as long as someone's calling you to repentance, that means someone's inviting you to turn to Christ. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, so man, as, as, if God's working in you, man, rejoice over that. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Okay, Here, here's where I want to move to this morning. I'll try to use my time better than the last couple. I got halfway through my sermon at Fifth Street and realized my time was up, you know. So I was like, well, here's the rest of it in outline form. Point three, four, and five. Sorry, that's all you got. Um, but here, here's, here, here's, here's what I want to get to. 
Every good and spiritual thing in your life is going to begin with repentance. Okay? Does that make sense? I mean, here's what we see Mark doing. Is Mark saying, all right, the king is coming. God sends John the Baptist with this message to repent. Get ready for the king. Okay? And in the same way, the kingdom in your life, which salvation, sanctification, reconciliation, all those things, the kingdom taking place in your life, it's going to begin with repentance. Okay, let me, let me show you that. Okay, first of all, salvation. Okay, salvation begins with repentance. Luke 13, 3. You know what Jesus said? Luke 13, 3. It's a verse you ought to memorize. He said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Okay, so, so if, there, if, if you don't repent, you can't be saved. You can't believe in Jesus. You can't keep hold of your sin. You can't keep going your way and bring Jesus with you. A lot of people try to do this number. You know, Jesus, come on, let's go this way. You know, no, 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 no. That's not what faith is. Faith is you turn around and, and, and you embrace him, okay? It's not he starts going with you. You embrace him. You turn from your sins. There, there, there's got to be repentance in your life. Jesus, when he came preaching, uh, his, his first sermon, verse 15 are the first words of Jesus in the gospel of Mark. They're down to verse 15. Listen to him. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. There's the first words of Jesus. Kingdom of God's here. The time's here. Repent. I mean, it begins with repentance. Repentance and faith are one. You're turning away from sin. You're placing your faith in Jesus. I I don't know if my testimony is weird. Maybe there are other people like me. But uh, my dad was saved when he was 28. Uh, I was saved uh, later on in my life. But I started going to church when I was eight. And uh, as a kid, I mean, I I heard the gospel. I heard, I understood those things. And, And I prayed the sinner's prayer around, I don't know, three, 400,000 times uh, in my childhood. Is anybody else like that? I mean, it's, you know, I was just always like Jesus, asking Jesus in my heart uh, over and 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 over, and over, and over again. And, uh, but there was never any change in my life. And I remember um, the night I was saved, uh, laying in my bed, thunderstorm, everything goes quiet. My folks are in Colorado farming. By myself, I get a little scared, so I do what I've done over and over and over again. I, I, w- I want to say this prayer, you know, asking Jesus to make sure I'm saved. And God just, I mean, before I can even get the prayer out, God just deeply whoo, convicts me. And it was this thought You have never repented, you've never turned away from your sin. Never, Jason, never. Man, I just felt that. I just felt that. I didn't even finish that prayer. I didn't say it. In fact, here's my testimony. I'm a guy that's uh, saved and I never asked Jesus in my heart for real, you know, because that night, I mean, here's what I did. I mean, I was, I, I thought, I mean, it just struck me, it just struck me. You've never turned from your sin. Never once. You say this prayer, you didn't change your mind about sin. You didn't change your mind about God. You didn't change your mind about your life. You just, you just live in how you want to live. That night, the one thing I did, I just turned. And I, I remember, I remember, just, so my prayer went something like this. God, I'm done. I'm done with that. God, I remember saying something like, God, I don't know what you're going to do with me, but I'm done with that. No more. I want to follow you. Whatever that means. I don't know what it means, but I, but I want to. It was a change of mind that led to a change of heart. That led to a change of life. You got to repent. That's the first step. It's the beginning. 
You, you got to figure out that what you're doing is not working. You, you, ever, you ever think about life that way? That what you're doing is not working? A couple weeks ago when we were coming back from, from Guatemala, we come out of the mountains. This is what almost all of our mission trips do. You have like a six-hour drive out of the mountains. It's, it's horrible roads and... There's traffic is unpredictable. Part of the highway can fall off and you're stuck in traffic. So, so anyway, we always do that the day before, you know, so we don't miss the flight. So we, we, we day before, but nobody wants to stay in Guatemala city because it's kind of a bad place. And so you go through Guatemala city, right to the other side of it, to a place called Antigua. So it's, it's kind of a nice place and uh, nicer, you know, uh, nicer place. And, and so we stay there to get a jump to, uh, to our, uh, our, our uh, airport the next morning. And so we come in there. I'm working the whole time, working on my laptop, all the way in the bus. Uh, and here's, here's the thing, kind of, this is a fault of mine. When, when I'm in charge, I'm like, okay, you know, trying to control everything, trying to get, you know. When I'm not in charge of something, I'm like, who cares? I'm a little kid that wanders off, you know. I mean, you know, and so I don't pay any attention to anything. Because, you know, we've got handlers. We've got people that are taking us there and back. So, you know, I'm just working. Show my laptop. We go in the motel. I check in, you know, and everything. And, and we go out. And at some point we got separated. And I was going to go back and try to find David. Uh, he had gone back to the motel. And so I left Michael and Kevin. And I thought I knew where the motel was. And I did not know where the motel was. And worse yet, I did not know the name of the motel. I did not know where we were staying. I knew nothing. And I thought, I thought the general direction. And so here was my plan. I had a plan. I'm pretty good with like getting around directions and stuff. like. That. I'm usually really good at that. And I thought, well, I'll find it. And so I walked around for about 30 minutes. Didn't see anything resembling the motel. And so I switched my plan. And, and I said, you know what? I don't want to waste my afternoon here there's some cool ruins in antigua there's like three volcanoes circling deals a whole bunch of old spanish stuff from the 15 1600s so I'm, like, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna see stuff and i thought i'll just walk around and see all the ruins and stuff and i'll probably i'll probably come upon my motel you know while i'm walking around i'll find it two hours later so now it's about two and a half hours the sun goes down it's dark out i have no idea where the motel is and so here's what happened I came to a point where I had to admit, this is a bad plan, okay? This is not working, okay? This is not working, and I need to switch gears here because this doesn't work. I've walked around for two and a half hours, and I'm not any closer to finding the motel than when I started. And so, you know, I, I, sat, down, I sat in the square, and I started thinking. I remembered that I had texted, or I'd, I'd Facebooked my buddy. When I got to the motel, I opened up my computer, talked with my wife, Facebooked my buddy in Guatemala. He, he lives there. Um, and told him what motel we were at. I remember I had a little card on the deal that I, I typed it out. I, it was a Spanish name, so it meant nothing to me. You know, but I typed it out in case he wanted to come find us. And so I found a little cafe. I bought an iced tea, bought a cookie, got the Wi-Fi password, got on my phone, got on my Facebook, found the name, the name of the motel and was able to get there. So long story short. But here's the deal. I had to come to a point where I said, you know what? My plan is not working. Okay. The next morning we got up early. Kenny, is there a picture on there that you can show? It was backwards in the first service. Fifth Street, it was right. It was right. I hope someone fixed it. But uh, next morning, we got up early, and we're walking around Guatemala, or walking around Antigua, and it's about 6 in the morning, and we stumbled upon this guy. Not a picture in there? It was in the first service? Nope. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, walking around Antigua, we find this guy in the gutter, okay? Uh, he is laying in the gutter. Uh, he's kind of sprawled back. His head's hanging off the gutter. His mouth, his mouth is open there. Why is that backwards? You have to, okay, everybody tilt your head like this. Can you do that? 
Okay, there he is in the gutter. I went over to him and I checked his breathing and he was not bleeding. So I didn't know what else I could do for him because he was not waking up. But anyway, he, he's, he's laying there. And so, but here's what I think. Ha- I think he had the same plan that I did initially <laughs> about finding his motel. I mean, I can't prove it because he didn't ever wake up. But I, but I think he had the same plan. But he never came to a point where he said, this is a bad plan. And that's how he ended up. Now, listen, you can take it off. Um, I would think there's a lot of people who never come to the point of saying about their life, you know what, this is a bad plan. And so they do the same stuff over and over and over again. Salvation begins with repentance. All right, number two, okay? Christians, are you listening? Your Christian life is going to begin, okay, with repentance. What I mean by begin is every time you make strides forward in the Christian life, it's, it's going to begin with repentance. It's going to begin by admitting, okay, this is sin. This is wrong. This way of looking at this, thinking about this is wrong. Jesus, I'm turning to you. I'm embracing your way. It's going to be a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of life. That's going to happen over and over and over again in the Christian life. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, Revelation chapter uh, 2 and 3, if you turn there in your Bibles, you need to look at this. Okay, this this is Jesus' letter to seven different churches, all right? And we're just going to real briefly buzz through here, and I want to show you something that happens over and over again, okay? To the church at Ephesus, this is Revelation chapter 2. Jesus says to them, he says, okay, you guys got some good things in your church. Good job here, good job here, good job here. But then in verse 4, he says, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Okay? So what he has against the Christians at Ephesus is that they don't love him like they used to love him. They're not excited about him like they used to be excited about him. They don't, they don't go to prayer meeting like they used to go to prayer meeting. They're, they're not thrilled about Christ. And so you know what he says to them? Look at verse 5. Remember, therefore, where you have come, where you've fallen, repent and do the work she did at first. Okay, what's the answer? The answer is you got to repent. Okay, Christians. These are not lost people. These are Christians, but they've lost their zeal for God. And he says, you need to stop in your tracks. You need to look at the way you're going. You need to say, look, this is a bad plan. God's plan is a good plan. And I'm going to turn to him. Okay, look at look in the uh, uh, same chapter, chapter 2. Uh, look at the church to uh, Pergamum. Okay, verses 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, so also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So he says, you got this good, this good about you. Here's what I got against you. Verse 16, therefore repent. And if not, I will come to you soon and war against you with the sword of my mouth. Okay, look in uh, chapter 3 to the church at Sardis. Chapter 3, let's begin in verse 3. No, let's begin in verse... uh, one, let's end of verse one. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Man, I never want God to say that about Lincoln Avenue, by the way. There, there are dead churches. Did you know that? There are churches you claim to be alive. They got a sign out front that says, hey, come worship with us. You get in there and it's dead. Man, I hope nobody ever says that about us. Verse three, remember then what you've received and heard. Keep it and repent. Look at the, look at the last church, Laodicea. Verse 15, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Okay? Would that you were either cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's what Jesus says about this church. He says, you guys are just lukewarm, man. You're just, you're just blah, blah, you know? You're not excited about Christ. You're not thrilled about Christ. You're just lukewarm. Look what he says in verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Repent. Do you see that? Okay, here, here's my point with all that. 
to these seven churches, what does Jesus do? Each one of them, he puts his finger on something in their life. Okay, A lot of times he begins with, you're doing this well, you're doing this well, you're doing this well. But whoa, that right there, that's got to go. And what's the answer in every one of those times? The answer is you got to repent. Church, you, you, you got to recognize this is not good in my life. This is sin in my life. This, this, this is, this is a deceiving in my life. I should not be living this way. I am wrong. God is right. I'm turning to him in repentance. It was different things in each church, but the answer was the same thing in every church. Repent. And so here's what I'm telling you about your Christian life. You got to repent. If you find yourself not repenting, if you look at your life and you're not repenting of anything, listen, your life's going in a bad direction. That's not good. God ought to be putting his finger on things in your life and you ought to be repenting of that. We won't look at this verse, but 2 Corinthians 12, 21, Paul says he weeps over people who, who, who have not repented of sins they've had in their life for a long time. That's a bad thing. Reconciliation. It, it's going to begin with salvation begins with repentance. Christian life begins with repentance. Reconciliation. You know, whenever you're at odds with somebody, you know what's got to happen? Somebody's got to repent. Somebody has to. Somebody's in the wrong. Somebody's going in the wrong direction. Probably both people. And there's got to be a point where you say, I'm wrong. You're right, God. I'm turning to you. I'm going to put my trust in you. It's going to be a change of mind. It leads to a change of heart. It leads to a change of life. You know, if that doesn't happen, you know, you know the dumb mistake I've made as a pastor? I really thought that when people were at odds, if I could just get them together, I could work things out. I think I'm pretty good at that. Man, that doesn't always happen. Man, I've, I've brought people in my office and I thought I was going to be the mediator. I ended up being the MMA referee, you know? I mean, I mean it was a cage fight, you know? And I'm like, man, this is, this is a bad plan. And you know why? Neither one had repented. And if neither one's repentant, all you do is, man, you put them together, like putting two cats in a box, you know, and tying their tails together. It's not good. The goal of your marriage ought to be lots of repenting. The goal of your parenting, oh, parents, listen, man, if, if all you got with your parenting, if, if your one strategy is, man, I'm, I'm going to put the fear of God in them and, and, and they're, they're going to they're gonna obey me because of the consequences. You know what? That works when they're two. Works real, actually works really good when they're two. You know, when they're two and they're going for whatever and you say, hey, you know, and immediately they clinch up because they remember last time, you know. Like, I remember how that felt. Okay, not doing that. Okay, when they're 16, if that's all you got, if you've never taught them to repent, if you've never taught them to say, you know what? Man, God is right. I'm wrong. God's way is best. Times of refreshing come. From the presence of the Lord. If they, if they don't have that, pretty soon what happens, parents? They're not scared of you anymore. In fact, they come to a point where they don't really care what you think. And that's just honest. So John preaches a, bab, or he preaches a message of repentance. He points people to Jesus. Now I'm going to have to go fast here. Verse 7, he preached saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, a strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He, he preaches repentance, he exalts Jesus, and then, and then he, he leads people to a public display of their repentance, which is baptism, okay? That, that's what he does. You, you know, here's the interesting thing. The Jews knew about baptism. That, that, was, that was a thing in their, in, their, in their religion, but it was never for them, okay? It was always for Gentiles. 
It was always if you were a Gentile and wanted to become a Jew, you wanted to become a proselyte, you wanted to become a God-fearer, that's when you'd be baptized. And so the really strange thing about what John the Baptist did, the reason it's so radical, is because he called the Jews to be baptized. Okay, now, now you know what they were going to say? They were going to say, oh, we don't need that. You know why we don't need that? Because we're children of Abraham. We were circumcised when we were eight days old. You know, we, we've already got the sign of the covenant. In fact, in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, they're telling him that. Here's what he says. He says, don't presume to say to yourselves, our father is Abraham. I tell you, God's able to raise up stones, to raise from these stones children of Abraham. God says, you, you, think, you're, you think you're okay because your family is people of faith? You think you're okay because you grew up in a church? You think you're okay because you, you had something done to you when you were little? <laughs> hey, God can raise up children of Abraham to rocks, Okay. And so he calls them to this public display of repentance. You know, I think public is important. I think public displays are important. Um, the Bible has bunches of them. It calls us to that. I think, I think a wedding ring is an important thing. It is in my life. I'm not telling you have to wear one, but I'm, I'm just saying in, in my own life, there's something cool about a public display. This represents my covenant with Emma. There's something cool about our wedding, you know, that, that we invited people and said, hey, we want you to see this up here. We're, it's a public display. You didn't have to have it to be married, but it's kind of cool. And in the same way, John is saying, hey, repent and, and publicly repent. Notice what he says here in verse um, 5. He says they were being baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Here's what I would challenge you with. I, I, don't, I don't think you need to tell everybody every time you sin. That's between you and God. You need to confess that to the Lord. I certainly don't want you to stand up in church and tell. I've seen that. That can be a disaster, you know. I just want to say that, you know, I lusted after Mrs. You know, don't. Man. I think sometimes that's to the devil, you know. That's a disaster. We're not doing that. But here's what I know about my own life. It is really healthy for me, especially if I've got something that's nagging at me for quite a while. You know what I need to do? I need to tell one of my brothers. God's really built that into my life. That's been a healthy thing. That, that I, if I've got a sin that reoccurs, sometimes even just one, I'll, I'll tell one of my brothers. I'll, I'll tell Pastor Andrew. I'll tell Doc. I'll tell, I'll tell somebody. And, and man, I've just found that's, a, that's an important symbol of repentance. And I'm willing to publicly say, man, I messed up, but I'm turned away. I'm turned to Jesus. I'm back on the right track. We still baptize. You probably figured that out here at Lincoln Avenue. Our baptism is somewhat like John's, um, but it's more. Because not only does it include a baptism of repentance, but now Romans 6 tells us that our baptism, it, it, it connects us, or it's a symbol that connects us to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a way of saying, man, I'm done with sin. You know why I'm done with sin? Because I'm connected to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Folks, it all begins with repentance. Salvation begins with repentance. Your Christian life, reconciliation, all those things begin with Here, Here's the question that's left on the table. Answer this one, then we'll go. Will it begin today? That's what you've got to answer right now. Our music people are going to come up, and, and you're going to answer that in one way or another. You're going to answer it in your heart, really. And then your life as you walk out these doors. But will it begin today? It begins in repentance. Will it begin today? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for uh, 
the opportunity to repent. I thank you, Jesus, that you call us to turn from our sins, that we've got something to turn to, that we have Jesus, the exalted Son of God, to turn to. Lord, prepare us for the kingdom of God. Prepare us through repentance. God, I pray that you do a good work today. In Jesus' name, amen.